Hey there, are you a spiritual seeker looking for the perfect way to blend your physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental health and well-being practices? Maybe you already have an interest in yoga or astrology or want to learn more about yoga's sister science, Jyotish, or Vedic astrology? Well then, I'm super glad you're here, and I'd like to extend you a very warm welcome to the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook. I'm a yoga teacher and a Vedic sidereal astrologer, meaning I use the sidereal zodiac, so some of the signs might be different from what you're used to. To get a free copy of your sidereal birth chart, please visit my website, yogiscopes.com slash chart dash calculator. Now let's get started. Glad you're here. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'm Rose and I hope you all found some lovely nourishment earlier this week at the full moon that was on Monday. I already forgot my days of the week are blending together. We had like a foot of snow here in Western North Carolina, which to some people is not a lot. To some people that is a lot, I suppose. To us, like it, it happens. We haven't actually had a big snow like that in a few years, but when I first moved here about five or six years ago, we did. We would get big snows like that. Only like once or twice a year though, so it's still enough to shut us down. Um, my kids' daycare was closed up until about midway through the day yesterday all week, so this is why the episode's going out late. And you know what? I was thinking about, I was taking a spoonful of my own medicine because what kind of yoga teacher and astrologer would I be if I didn't practice what I sit on this podcast and my other podcasts and preach, right? So I was thinking about all of these things I had to do during those days. You know, I had tasks written on my calendar, actually not for Monday because it was a holiday. His daycare was closed anyway. So I knew I was going to be taking Monday off. I didn't know I was going to be taking Tuesday and half of Wednesday off, but I was normally... I would be sitting there agonizing myself over how am I going to get all of these things done? When am I going to get them done? And knowing what I know about that full moon, about, you know, I mean, I titled the full moon episode, just the one immediately before this one, rethinking nourishment. And I was like, you know what? Stressing over things I can't control does not nourish me. I'm going to let that go. And so I did. And I hope you were all able. So maybe you don't, you didn't have a foot of snow where you live or maybe your week went on as usual. Um, but I hope sincerely hope. And if you haven't had time, you know, maybe if you've been around for a few episodes, if you haven't, I'm telling you now, if you, if you didn't get time on Monday to do that kind of stuff, it's not too late. You can still, Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already and put some of those principles into practice this weekend or tonight or whenever you have a chance. So the way I look at it with astrology is it's just all like cycles that play out. Um, You know, they're just good reminders. We should probably be doing these things like new moon rituals, full moon rituals. Um, New moon rituals include things like setting intentions around a certain area in your life and you can look at where the new moon is happening to get some guidance into what area in your specific life and it changes every month. Same with full moon. What can you release? And you can look at where the full moon is happening to get some guidance. Um, It just puts things in a nice little box for me personally. 
And we're going to talk more about what else is happening, um, some other ideas. And so you don't have to do it on the moment that it happens astrologically. As long as you like do these things sometimes, I think your life will be a lot better for it. So I hope you were all able to find some time to slow down and really take care of yourself and not in like the capitalistic, like I'm going to take an Epsom salt bath, but I'm going to stress about all the things I'm neglecting right now um, the whole time so that I don't even feel recharged. I hope you were able to like genuinely find some time, whether it be a whole day or 20 minutes an hour, whatever you can find the time for to really just shut off and recharge, like completely shut off because I think you'll be better off for it. I also did a wisdom talk about that, about, um, resting as like powering up your inner peace muscles. So I think it's really important. That's why I'm spending a couple minutes here harping on it. I hope you were able to find time to do that. I hope you're able to find time to do that at regular intervals, but especially sometime this week. So other than that, there's not really a whole lot happening astrologically this week. Like, you know, a couple weeks ago we had like a bunch of things and I was trying to cover them all. And so those energies are still at play. And I mentioned a, a couple weeks ago on the episode before the full moon episode about Uranus going direct. And I think I said I was going to like come back and talk about it. And I never really did. And so it went direct on Tuesday of this week. And so that was one of those things I could have spent, you know, all day Tuesday beating myself up that I didn't get the episode out on Tuesday because that was the primary thing I was going to talk about this week. Um, but such is life. Here I am now. And it's it so it went direct on Tuesday and it's going to stay direct until August 24th. And it's in Aries. And Uranus is one of the outer planets, so it is very slow moving. So like I've mentioned before with some of the planets like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, uh, Pluto, all those planets move pretty slow. So it's not quite as the, the impacts from them are a little more subtle than the impacts from the quicker moving planets like Venus and Mercury and the sun. So what I'm telling you is. I don't think it's a big deal, really, that I didn't get it out for you by Tuesday. You might have started noticing these impacts or it might take over the next several months to notice them. So um, here I am. I apologize. Such is life. Um, if I want to, you know, it's like going back to saying like practicing what I preach. I I think this episode is better for me sitting on it for a couple of days and not stressing myself out. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk today about what it means for Uranus to go direct in Aries, what to expect for that time, and then some other um, indicators of sort of revolution at this time that we've been talking about. So we have a lot of planets retrograde right now. That's that's the overarching energy. Well, I mean, there's kind of always a lot of planets retrograde, to be honest with you. It's rare there's not at least one planet retrograde, to be honest, um, especially with how long the outer planets spend in retrograde. Um, but so we know Mercury's retrograde right now. We know Venus is retrograde right now. And those are still the biggest overarching 
energies, in my opinion. It feels like <sighs> stuff just keeps coming back to that in my daily life. And I don't know about if it does for you, but just tech issues, communication issues with the Mercury retrograde, um, Venus feeling a little bit like repressed creatively. Perhaps that's not how you've been feeling, but I've done episodes on those things. Um, and then also the Kalasarpa yoga I mentioned briefly in one or both of the last couple episodes. So we just have all of these things going on to indicate Mm, rethinking, reorganizing, um, re like going back over and retracing your steps sort of, uh, related to how you communicate, how you express yourself, how you relate to other people, how you spend, how you indulge, how you spend your time, your money, your resources, um, all of those things. While Mercury and Venus are retrograde, it's a time to be like, just looking at your patterns related to those things. And you might not really feel like you're going to make any progress until they go direct. Um, Venus goes direct on January 29th. And then it has to go back through the portion of the sky that it retrograded through. So it really might be until later February or March before you start feel like you're making actual progress there. And then Mercury goes direct on, I want to say February 3rd or 4th, something like that. I'm very much a, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it kind of person. guess it comes with lots of practice of living in the moment, which is kind of what the idea of yoga and meditation practice is, right? Um, I'm like, nah, it's not for a couple of weeks. I All I know right now is that we are definitely still impacted by that energy. And if you care to have the dates, Instead of me just like giving you a roundabout estimate, that's what the planner is really good for. You know, we are a couple weeks into January, but there's still 11 and a half months that that planner could be really useful for you. It's in the show notes. You can find a link to it. Um, I actually just had somebody uh, purchase a copy. Thanks for that. And they said it was extremely helpful and they were proud of how much um, dedication and love they could tell I put into it. And that was extremely validating for me to hear because I really did put my heart and soul into that thing. And I hope it is an extremely valuable resource for anybody that uses it. It's also live in the membership. Um, If you want to just join the membership, you can have it as part of your membership. Um, So that's why I'm not super concerned about saying the dates as precisely here because it doesn't matter. We're in Mercury retrograde as of this moment. We will be for a couple more weeks and Venus retrograde. And so you're probably going to continue feeling those energies. So I keep bringing it up because to me, those are really impactful energies. And so with Uranus going direct, it's going direct in Aries. Um, and it will be going retrograde again in Aries later this year. So it's in Aries all year. It's slow moving. So the energy is not super, like you're not going to notice probably a huge, huge difference off the bat. Um, But I think it's interesting as I was looking into, you know, more about what Uranus means and trying to form my interpretation of how I think you'll experience or most people will experience um, Uranus going direct in Aries. 
it has a lot of overlapping qualities with Aquarius, in my opinion. And you'll see why in a minute. So I guess today or yesterday or something, I don't know, I was doing my little morning scroll on Instagram this morning. Um, and I saw a bunch of posts about um, Aquarius season. I guess now the sun is in tropical Aquarius, but um, right now under the sidereal zodiac, we only have Jupiter in Aquarius. Actually, that's not true. We have Jupiter and Neptune, but I don't pay a whole, whole lot of attention to the outer planets. You'll learn if you, you know, are new around here, um, you'll start to notice. So Vedic astrology doesn't actually, the outer planets being Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Vedic astrology was invented before those were discovered. So there's like, not every Vedic astrologer agrees about how important, if at all, those planets are. So I pay a minor amount of attention to them, but like you probably are already noticing, I'm like, meh, meh, Uranus direct hmm. might not affect us a whole lot, at least not in super noticeable ways. I think it's just adding to the energy we've already been experiencing. So like with Jupiter and Aquarius, um, to kind of harken that back full circle, talking about how Uranus going direct has some of the same energies of Aquarius. So let me just tell you some keywords of Uranus energy. Things like breakthroughs, change, creativity, detachment, independence, and individuality. Do those all not sound like Aquarius qualities to you? I don't know. I think probably because I am super Aquarius, I have like five planets in Aquarius. Um, I, well, one of those being my rising. I have like my rising and then like four planets in Aquarius. So I'm Aquarius through and through. And I always hear people talk about how Aquarius are like, they're like the aliens, they're um, kind of aloof, creative, and eccentric, um, those kind of things. Um, but then so like on a grander scale, not just on a personal scale, um, Aquarius and actually also, as it happens, Uranus represent things like, um, um, like revolution, and, um, so just to talk about Uranus now. So I, I think I bring that up, the Aquarius thing up, because I think a lot of people have a more intuitive understanding of what Aquarius is. Like mo if you're listening to an astrology podcast, chances are somewhere in your awareness, when somebody says Aquarius, at least one idea or thought or keyword comes up, probably. If not, it's Okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't be here or whatever. Um, anyway, I just bring that up because I was hoping it would be helpful to understand this energy. So now I'm just talking about Uranus. Um, it represents like breakthroughs and um, it's said to have like an electric element to it because it was discovered around the same time electricity was. So that's a good way to get insights into what the planets sort of mean also is to look at around when they were discovered, especially the outer planets, because actually most of them represent some kind of like upheaval, like definitely Pluto does, because society was kind of going through that as these planets were um, being discovered, like the industrial and scientific revolutions were happening around the same, same time. That's why we were discovering new planets, right? Because People were doing more stuff like that rather than just worrying about farming and 
eating and fighting. Um, and they were probably still doing those things, but, um, as we still are right anyway. Um, so, so Uranus brings, um, basically to put it in a nutshell, it represents how you seek to express your individuality and seek freedom. So, um, it, the, one of the major keywords of Uranus is revolution. And so I say that, that I'm like, not super concerned about this one planet because it's been the energy for a while. Um, Pluto has been in Capricorn for a little bit. That's been the energy for a while. And Pluto in Capricorn is like, that's also super revolutionary energy, upheaval energy to like our societal structures. So that's been the energy the energy since about the end of 2020 and um Jupiter and Aquarius also brings this same kind of energy um breakthroughs independence um freedom optimism for these kind of things um towards like societal revolution right so so we've been experiencing that energy for a little bit now um and so basically what I'm getting at is Uranus going direct in Aries. Um, it just might make it feel like at least during from now until August, we might feel like we're able to move forward a little bit with some of those things, or at least move back over, you know, ground we've already covered. So if that makes sense, when a planet goes retrograde, it appears to me appears to be moving backwards through the sky so that when it goes direct it doesn't just start over where it started moving backwards it has to move back forward over all that space that it moved backwards over so it's like retracing its steps so it may not for a little bit feel like you're actually moving forward just like you're not moving backwards anymore right so the I feel like I hate to keep talking about the pandemic but it is honestly like it's the forefront of a lot of our lives matter what you think about it it's always in our faces um and we've seen that and and this is indicated typically by outer planet retrograde motions like especially Jupiter and Saturn those are technically considered inner planets but anyway when they go retrograde we lose progress when they go direct we have to regain that same progress that we lost before we can start making new progress right um, and that's what we've seen. And so that will be what we see with Uranus going direct. And, but the reason I say it's not going to feel like super impactful, I think, because we still have Mercury and Venus retrograde. Um, and this is interesting. Uranus is said to be a higher octave of Mercury. So it's like the Mercury expressions. Um it 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 has a link to mercury is kind of what i'm saying and mercury is still retrograde so you know take with that with a grain of salt that you might just incrementally feel like you're starting to be able to move forward um but it'll add to the creative energy it'll add to the chaos probably um yeah that's what i think um it'll add to the uh the unorthodox ideas coming out like actually so my husband was just showing me last night about like this new like he's really into dirt bikes and 
I guess some like cool electric dirt bike. There's like a startup company that made an electric dirt bike and it's like extremely impressive. And so we're seeing this like electric vehicles, electric dirt bikes, you know, and then this idea is like, do they race with the regular ones? You know, we're, we're seeing all this stuff. That's what I'm saying. It's been the energy for a little bit now with like cryptocurrency, all these societal revolutions. And it's pretty unpredictable, right? It's the upheaval nature. And that's, so I think we will see, um, some additions to that societally. Uh, that's so the outer planets, they're, they're more impactful on a societal level, I think, because they stay in a sign for so long. I've mentioned that before that we don't, I don't factor them into a birth chart reading because they stay in a sign for basically a generation. So it's not really going to impact you individually that much, but it will be one of those things that like your, your generation kind of experiences. Um, so now to shift gears and talk more personally, that's where the Venus and Mercury retrograde are going to be more impactful for sure. And we've been talking about that for a couple weeks now, and I've briefly mentioned the Kala Sarpa yoga. So, um, it's basically a time between, you know, for various reasons, shifting energies start starting towards the end of January, early February, but really February and March, um, are going to be times of like, we'll probably start seeing some moving forward and then into March and April, we'll really see these energies start to pick up. And so hopefully, what I hope for you is that you will spend some time now in January, the rest of January, and a little bit into early February, really setting yourself up for success in relation to, so what I hope you will look at is where Sagittarius is in your chart, where Capricorn is in your chart. Um, those are some big ones. Uh, those are probably the biggest two and rethinking how you communicate, how you relate to people, how you express yourself, how you spend money, um, how you indulge yourself and just check in gut check. Are those ways of being serving you? If not, how can you start to make or even just plan little shifts so that they do serve you better. And like I've been saying with the retrograde energy, it's not going to be like you just wake up one day and you're doing a whole completely new way of being now. It's going to take planning. It's going to take practice. It's going to take um, time, you know, while we wait out the end of the retrogrades and as the planets start to move forward back over the, the areas that they retrograde over. So then also, I hope you will look at the axis of Taurus and Scorpio. And if all of this is like not making sense, I put out a really good resource, I hope. I hope it's really good. It's To me, it seemed like probably pretty good. Um, uh, in the membership um, related to the, related to all of these karmas that are kind of swirling around at the beginning of this year, karmic loose ends that I hope we're all kind of tying up so that we can move forward into March and April. Um, 
breaking some cycles that are no longer working from us. I put that out in the membership and it's up now. So I did a special episode about Rahu and K2 so you could better understand the Kalasarpa yoga. And that one's like a standalone. Um, you can revisit it anytime you want to learn more about Rahu and K2 because they come up a lot. And it took me several um, iterations, several times of coming into contact with them and, and revisiting those lessons to really get an understanding so there's a standalone lesson about that, and then there's a separate one describing more of where, how you can understand what these karmic loose ends I'm talking about um, on the axis of Taurus, or really it's Scorpio to Taurus because it's um, all of those signs between Scorpio and Taurus going that way, like Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, especially those ones. Um, are a big deal right now. Like every, all the planets are on that side of the Zodiac. And if you can kind of look at that side of your chart, what, what's being impacted there. And if that's all confusing, um, I'm also working on birth chart basics stuff to go out for the members. There's actually in the planner, there's already a worksheet. So like I mentioned earlier, you can just buy the planner itself or you can join the membership and it's already in there and you can have it. Um, plus all these other good resources. There's already a worksheet to help you start to understand your birth chart better. And going forward, probably next week for the membership, I am going to build that out with more resources. And then again, most of the stuff I do for the membership will be like free for members, but then you can also just buy that portion separately if it sounds interesting, but you're not interested in um, an ongoing commitment. If the ongoing commitment sounds like too much and you just want a single resource that I mention, um, you can just get it. And I'm planning on that to go out next week. But this week for the membership, we're doing a cycle tracking thing. I will give them a cycle tracking worksheet because... This is related to Venus retrograde, related to thinking about Venus things. And if you want to learn more about that, that's what we're talking about primarily over on the science of light right now. So just to tie this all back in together, bring it all back home. We are in a period where it's kind of like where the arrow is being pulled back to be preparing to be shot forward. Um, that's the energy of right now, at least from my interpretation, from my point of view, that's what it feels like for me. Um, that's what the stars I think are pointing to is that with all this retrograde energy and then we're getting ready to experience some big shifts come March and April. We'll cover that here when we get there. If you want to know more, there's already resources up in the membership. Um, so we're just kind of swirling around, retracing our steps, rethinking things. And if you want to break some cycles, you know, if, if whatever you've been doing is working for you and your life is like great, then keep doing what you're doing and spend this time reinforcing rather than rethinking, you know, reinforce the things that are already working. Perhaps I would imagine some things are, are working and some things are not. And right now, basically we're just in a period of thinking, thinking through those things and reinforcing the ones that are working and rethinking the ones that are not. 
And this is especially related to how you communicate, um, how you express yourself creatively and in communication with others, uh, how you relate to other people, how you indulge, how you spend your finances, things like that. Um, it's especially related to those things, but then also, um, yeah, there's this huge element of, of, uh, creativity of, you know, upheaval of breakthrough. So it might feel pretty chaotic, but if you can ground down, um, and really rethink those things, you will be better off as we move forward. And so that leads me nicely into what yoga practices are going to help you working with this energy because that's what makes it a yogi scope, right? Yoga, yoga practices for the astrological, astrological weather, Mercury retrograde, right? No, I always stumble over my words. Um, I just, I'm just like this. So anyway, what yoga practices will help you move through all of this energy? The biggest one, honestly, this is so simple. Sometimes I feel almost bad for how simple these are, but it really is that simple, y'all. Grounding breathing. And there are a lot of things that could look like grounding breathing, but mostly the biggest one is just extending your exhales just a beat or two longer than your inhales, especially, especially when you find yourself in situations where you feel triggered or feel confused, need a moment of clarity. Because that's actually um, one of the bigger energies of this this time is that you might feel foggy, intellectually foggy. And so Uranus going direct should help with that. It should lift a little bit of that intellectual fog. But Mercury's still retrograde. So honestly, like it's not going to lift it completely, even if it lifts it a little bit. Um, so just notice what you notice there. But when you find yourself in a moment where you need... Um, some more clarity, some more grounding. You're just going to take a deep, intentional breath in. Um, and then you can count it or you can just attempt to exhale as slowly or even a little bit slower than you inhaled. And what that serves to do, there's some science behind this. Um, it takes you out of fight or flight mode, especially if you can do it for I don't know, 10 breaths or more, uh, 30 seconds, whatever, three breaths even. Try it for three. Um, If you can do that, deep intentional breathing, extending your exhales just a little bit longer, it will take a little bit of the stress response off and it'll help you think a little bit more clearly through what you're going through rather than operating from a place of being triggered or whatever the case may be. Um, And then... So that's useful. If you can find time to just practice that for, this is fun. This is a fun meditation exercise. Um, Try to get to 10. So try to do 10 of them. But every time you catch yourself thinking about something else, which is going to happen a lot, you have to start the count over. And you just keep doing it until you get to 10. So by the end of it, you should be probably, hopefully, super calm and feeling more centered, and along the way, you get to notice, um, rather than chasing down those thoughts, that when you catch yourself, oh, I was thinking about the grocery list instead of my breathing, just notice 
what those things are that constantly pull you away. And that there's a lot of clarity and insight in just that. Um, and that's where, to me, that's where the magic happens. Um, and so like I tell my students often, the goal of meditation is not to not think it's to notice your thoughts and direct your awareness in a productive way and notice what hijacks you from directing your awareness. So I think directing your awareness to your breathing is super productive. Um, but what it does serve to do definitely is notice what hijacks you, what prevents you from directing your awareness in a productive way. What is always pulling you away? That's where the um, insights happen. That's where the magic is. And um, so actually, I heard another teacher say this the other day that was like, you don't sit down to meditate. Meditation is something that happens. Like we're all bad at meditation. You sit down to clear, like, I don't even want to say clear your mind because like I just said, your, your brain thinks that's what it does. So you have to direct your awareness to something. And then the more you do that, the more you practice that you will have moments of meditation. Um, and I actually, I covered that in the eight limbs of yoga episode several months ago on the science of light podcast. So you could go back and listen to that if you want a long drawn out version, or you can just take that my word for it, that the goal isn't to sit down and clear your mind. The goal is to direct your awareness to something like your breathing until your mind sort of clears on its own. And that's what will happen when you're able to count all the way to 10, count all the way to 10, very slow, intentional breaths. Um, without getting sidetracked for the whole time because that's like 10 doesn't sound like a lot but it's a lot especially when you're breathing as slowly and smoothly as you can so if you have time to do that I don't know how long it's going to take you it depends um the more you practice it the probably faster you can do it but I don't think doing it fast is the goal anyway um but so just work with it try it for as long as you can set a little timer on your phone for as long as you have I don't know three minutes five minutes 20 minutes whatever um or when you find yourself in a moment really needing the clarity, just do one to three of those really deep intentional breaths, extending your exhales just a moment longer than your inhales. Um, but so with that, with that said, we do have a lot of um, kind of air energy going on right now. So just a grounding practice in general could be helpful. But if you feel if you're experiencing imbalances of kappa season, um, like I discussed over on the science of light, then I would suggest um, some kind of heat building practice. Like um doesn't have to be vinyasa yoga, but maybe you do like a heart opening practice. That can really combat the effects of kappa season if you are feeling overly grounded. So when I say all this, that's why it's it's really hard for me to give a yoga practice that will work for everybody in every situation. I mean, I'm a, like I'm a training yoga therapist. I do offer yoga therapy. Um, but these are all the tools I use, the astrology, the Ayurveda, um, and then other, you know, indications of your personal constitution, situation, energies at play to determine what kind of yoga practices are going to be best. But I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that grounding breathing will bring clarity, um, and a sense of um, ease through these tough retrograde transits. And that's where you will find um, 
the moments of insight to what it is if you're having trouble figuring out what it is, what cycles you want to break, how you're going to break them. Doing that kind of practice is where you'll find the insight. So I hope that's helpful. Um, Please let me know if you have any questions. If you do want more personalized insight, a birth chart reading is a great way to go. Or if you want to do yoga therapy, I do offer it virtually, but I don't have any way that you can just book yourself on my website because it's a pretty, I don't know, I haven't done it enough to have the system as automated as it needs to be. There's a really big intake process and I would hope that if you feel comfortable enough working with me to want to do that for several sessions that you would feel comfortable just shooting me an email. Um, I know I get it. I have social anxiety too sometimes. So it can be hard. It can be easier to just book your session like you can with a reading, but the intake process for yoga therapy is a little bit more hefty. I need a lot more info than just your birth time and stuff. So I would hope you would feel comfortable reaching out and emailing me. Um, The next new moon circle date is announced. You can find that on my website as well. It's January 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, that is free for members, or you can just drop in for $25. That is linked in the show notes. I hope this was all helpful, and I would love to connect with you on social media or somewhere. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I will talk to you very soon. Thanks so much for being here. Until next time, friends. (laughs) 